0: So I want to thank everybody who sent me a birthday text last Sunday. Justin Gung is a funny guy. He is uh, also now in charge of all hospital visits at night and on the weekends. So if something happens to you or to your family, please give Justin Gung a call. Two weeks from today, we will uh, have our homecoming Sunday, our promotion Sunday. We'll also uh, break ground on our new building on the south end of the property So it'll be a very special day. So I was thinking about that, too. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback about that, call or email Justin Gung any time this week that you'd like. In all seriousness, um, August 18th will be a great day in the life of our church. Once we start on that project, parking will be more of a challenge. So I remind you, we have Campbell West behind here, and we have the Boy Scouts lot, Caddy Corner. We'll be running shuttles from that, so uh, keep that in mind. Um, it will be a little bit of an inconvenience, but it'll be worth it once we have the additional space. We were in uh, Swanee uh, last Sunday, and uh, last Sunday was my, my birthday, and we were going to lunch on a Sunday afternoon, and uh, we got to the restaurant about 11.45. My phone had, had been lit up for the last uh, two hours, but I was talking to our waitress, and I asked her, Uh, I said, does it get crowded in here on Sundays with the the church crowd? And she said, oh, yeah, but they're not very fun. Uh, I hate working on Sundays, she said. She obviously didn't know that she was talking to a uh, minister who just happened to be off that particular Sunday. But I said, tell me more, please. And she said, well, they they come in here all dressed up and, and they're not very nice. They're demanding, they're impatient, and most of them don't tip very much. And then she continued, it's almost like they go to church and then by the time they get to lunch, they forgot everything that they learned. Made me laugh. I thought that was interesting. We're continuing this journey through Romans. Today we stay in Romans 12 and pick up with verse 9, but let me ask you a couple questions as we begin. Why are you a Christian? Is it because you were born into a Christian family? Is it what you feel like you were expected to do? Is it because you had an encounter with Jesus Christ later in life that, that changed you or transformed you? Is it a cultural thing? It's what good people in Nashville do. They go to church. Why are you a Christian? And the next question, what does it mean... To be a Christian, to live a Christian life? That's the question that I believe Paul answers in our passage this morning. The truth is, the word Christian means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. When people hear the word Christian in our culture, many things come to mind. Some think judgmental, some think self righteous, some think exclusive. Some people think of a certain brand of of politics. We don't really find the word Christian that much in the Bible. We do find another word, and what's that word? Disciple. And the definition of a disciple is a follower or a student or teacher of a certain leader. A follower or student of a teacher or a leader. So in the case of Christianity, we are followers or we are students of Jesus Christ. So when we say the word Christian, we are really talking about being a follower, a student of Jesus. We should seek to live our lives according to what he taught and what he did. We should seek to embody his love in our words and in our actions. We should read and study his teachings that we find in the gospels and then apply them to our lives so romans 12 9 through 18 is perhaps one of the best descriptions i think of the christian life in the nrsv it's subtitled marks of the true christian paul says this let love be genuine hate what's evil hold fast to what is good love one another with mutual affection outdo one another in showing honor Don't repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. And if it is possible, Paul says, as long or as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. So let's break this down today because I really do believe that this is perhaps one of the best descriptions of what it means to be a Christian, to live a Christian life. This is what faith looks like lived out. Let love be genuine. Paul is saying that In life, love must be completely honest and sincere. We must not have ulterior motives when we love other people. We don't love in life with the expectation that we're going to get something in return. We love in life because God is love and because Christ commanded us to love. We need to acknowledge that there are all different kinds of love. There's romantic love, and that can change and fade over time. There's selfish love, where one person wants to get something when they give something. Then there's Christian love, agape love. It's a pure outpouring of the heart to other people. This is the type of love that Paul is urging the Romans to embrace and to spread. This is the type of love that holds families and churches and friendships together. This is the type of love that is free from suspicion free from manipulation, free from grudges. It does not have ulterior motives. It's pure. It's authentic. It's not based on fear. This is the love that is patient, that is kind. It's not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. Remember that passage? Paul says, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. There is evil in the world. There are those who kill other people, who seek to hurt other people. We found that out again this weekend. Sometimes it's hard to understand exactly where evil originates, but we know that it's there. And we need to call it out. It needs to be confronted. Somebody had to stop Hitler. Somebody had to stop Osama bin Laden. Some people need to be locked up because for whatever reason they are a danger to society. All of us have been given the ability in life to choose what we want to focus our time and our attention on. And nobody can make that choice for us. So if we want to look for the bad in life, we'll find it. If we want to look for the good in life, we'll find it because it's there. Paul writes to the Philippians, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just... Whatever is pleasing, commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, then spend your time, spend your life thinking about those things. Many of us continue to underestimate our own ability to control how we think and how we feel. We are often guilty of sitting back and letting life dictate our attitude, and we don't realize that ultimately we must decide how we will respond to our circumstances. Our circumstances might be out of our control, but we get to decide how we're going to respond to them. Nobody takes that away from us. Hold fast to what is good. There are evil people who set out to do some terrible things, to manipulate and hurt others, and Paul is calling us to reject that, to push back on that, To focus our time and our attention on the things that are good, the things that are healthy. So how are we doing? What do you focus your time and your energy on day in and day out? Is it on the good or is it on the bad? Is it on the positive or is it on the negative? Do we let things that have happened in the past control us in the present? We choose our focus. Paul says love one another in mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor you know love is the glue that holds life together William Barclay in his commentary on this passage from Romans he says this he says more than half of the trouble that arises in churches has to do with rights and privileges and prestige someone has not been given his or her place someone has been neglected or unthanked the mark of the true Christian has always been humility and service You're not worried about getting credit for things or being thanked for things. But nobody said humility is is easy. We let our egos get in the way. We let our agendas get in the way. We let our past grudges and hurts get in the way. And sometimes we think that if we are humble, we'll get trampled. Humility seems to be at odds with our achievement and success-oriented society and our highly competitive mentality. Our culture does not seem to reward humility, so we have to work hard to find a balance between our passion and our agendas and our ability to just let certain things go. Let them go. And we must do good deeds not to be recognized, but because it is the right thing to do. We may not get thanked, We may not get noticed, but that's okay. Paul says, don't lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit and go and serve the Lord. You know, I've said this before over the years, but I've always been amazed at how boring (laughs) some Christians are. (laughs) And I say that not to be judgmental, but to raise the question that if Christians are called to believe in the gospel, the good news, and to be on fire for Christ, then why do so many Christians have absolutely no energy or passion. Paul is saying that we must not lag in zeal, that we must be ardent in spirit. Some of us need to transition from being what I call Good Friday Christians to Easter Christians. Some of us need to transition from from a doom and gloom mindset to one where we are excited and passionate and hopeful and not negative and cynical and determined to drag everybody else down. You know, negative, pessimistic people suck the life out of everybody else. Nobody wants to be around somebody who's always negative and always down. It's exhausting. Now, everybody goes through tough times. Everybody struggles. But the message of Christianity is the message of hope in the face of struggle. Hope in the face of hardship and despair. And we should believe in a God that promises us that the future will be better than the past. We believe in a God that promises us that even death does not have the final say. And that anything that keeps us from fullness of life can be overcome through faith. One person said it this way, we might burn out in life but we cannot rust out. We have to trust that God will help us bounce back from whatever it is that gets us down, knowing that we have been called to serve a God who is alive and active and who is doing incredible things in this world. And that's exciting, that God is still at work. God is at work in you. God is at work in me. And the world needs people that are full of that energy, that are hopeful, ardent in spirit, excited, thankful to be alive. Paul says, "Rejoice in hope, and be patient in suffering, and persevere in prayer." Some of you remember uh, a number of years ago, not too long after I uh, came to Nashville, uh, Conan O'Brien was was chosen to succeed Jay Leno on the late night show, uh, the the Tonight Show. And uh, Jay Leno had had it for many years, and Conan O'Brien had been in New York, and they were trying to pick somebody that would appeal to the younger generations, and Jay Leno wanted to retire and go drive his cars and do his other things, so they picked Conan, and, and uh, it didn't last very long. Uh, Conan's ratings weren't very good. And I remember on the, the last night of the show, he was uh, speaking to his audience and he said, you know, some of you, especially you younger folks, will be tempted to be cynical and angry about what's happened here to me at NBC. Don't do it. He said, there's nothing I hate worse than cynicism. And cynicism has never and will never accomplish anything in life. What a powerful statement. There are no hopeless situations in life. There's only hopeless people. And and friends, Christian hope is a powerful thing. Paul reminds us that it does not disappoint. Paul is telling the Romans to rejoice in hope, to be patient in suffering, because suffering happens to all of us, but it does not last in his book, A Grace Disguise*, Jerry Sitzer says, Life is bigger than loss because God is bigger than loss. We should bear witness to the truth that pain and death do not have the final word. God does. Paul says, contribute to the needs of the saints. Remember, Jesus had more to say about money and possessions and stuff than any other subject because he knew of the dangers he said, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Show me your bank statement, and I'll tell you what your top priorities are in life. Some of us tip God. We come to church and we put whatever we have left from the weekend in the offering plate. It might be less than we tip the waiter or waitress the night before. All of us have to contribute generously to the needs of the saints. We, we, we can't get this new building built without your generous support. Generosity is a hallmark of the Christian life. It's a spiritual discipline. It's a part of living together in the Christian community. Extend hospitality to strangers. There are no, uh, there's so many scriptures that talk about how important hospitality is in Christianity. But unfortunately, there are some churches who are often the worst places for welcoming new people. You're in my seat. <laughs> Been sitting there for 10 years. We're called to welcome strangers and reach out to new people. Christianity is the religion of the open hand and the open heart, the open door. And all of us need to take this seriously because without it, Christianity has no future. Lastly, later on in the passage, Paul says this, and we'll pick up with this next week. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Now there's a key phrase here, so far as it depends on you. There are some people in life who are always looking for a fight. They are antagonistic. They are passive-aggressive. They are not happy people. Don't engage with that. Some people are so miserable in life for whatever reason that they go around trying to make everybody else miserable. And conflict gets old. And fighting gets old. But some people aren't healthy unless they're in a conflict. They're not happy. There are situations and people in life who need to be confronted, but not every day. Peace is important. Jesus taught peace turn the other cheek, go the extra mile, forgive, let things go. But if you're always getting into conflict with other people, then guess who the common denominator is? Our culture needs more peacemakers and being a peacemaker I believe takes intentionality it's not just indifference or passivity and we're going to talk more about this next week because this is such a an important part of this passage but I challenge you this week as you reflect on Romans 12 to think about how you can be a peacemaker in this world at home in your marriage in your family at work in the community how can you be a peacemaker How can you spread the peace of Christ to the people around you? Let me close with that famous prayer of St. Francis. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy.